Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, uh, recorded at a variety of places uh, in New York and elsewhere. Um, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Uh, check us out at uh, PW, excuse me, publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly, and also the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm their podcast producer. Oh, welcome to uh, More to Come's uh, year in review, the comics year in review, all the big events. We're going to Quickly go over very quickly uh, what we're going to talk about today. Digital, movies and media, indie comics versus the big two, manga. We're going to go over the big personalities of the year. And uh, let's get right to it. Um, shall we start with digital? Sure. I'm a huge, huge part of the comics world these days, really extending uh, the, 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 um, the medium into, a, into another medium. And actually, it's been pretty amazing how – Digital has lost the fear factor, um, much for as certainly for the retail. Niche. Well, I, well, per, sort of, kind of. I mean, towards the end of the year, there was another spanner in the works. But I would have to say, the year. as the year began, that uh, you know, digital had a huge year. Uh, the growth. I, I mean, I forget Comixology had something like, uh, you know, they gave off a lot of page views, but I, they've had like, uh, you know, ten million. Uh, page views they've had 10 million comics download it's more than that that's probably the wrong number but anyway it's 100 million down 100 million yes i was wrong by a factor of 10, <laughs> but um okay. anyway so that's what we're really talking about here and uh you know retailers seem to kind of accept it especially with the day and date with uh, that the new 52 initiated last year and uh at the time there was a lot of fear but it turned out that uh dc sales stayed pretty stable so yeah. uh, retailers accepted it up until the end of the year when the comics periodicals went to the Kindle and the Nook and uh, were released like at three in the morning instead of after comic shops open, and that really created a lot of uh, disillusionment among the retail of the community. Yeah, is slowly being, you know, the various privileges being stripped away. So yeah, there 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 seemed to be uh, fear factor seemed to rise again there toward the end of the year. But really, in our feature uh, on this issue, comics uh, retailers seem to be coming around to it early on, but really pointing to digital sampling as, as a help. Yes, as, absolutely. As well as, other things, other, as well as other things, which we're going to get to. Um, Comixology was clearly kind of the leader in the, of the pack uh, in this, but there were other things going on, too, with um, 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 uh, new digital launches, new imprints. Uh, new a lot like, of digital-only imprints. Absolutely. And uh, as the year ended, I, I think you saw uh, Iverse getting a little bit uh, more back into the game. And um, I, I think what really uh, one of the key factors that that came out in 2012 is what Comixology trumpeted very often in their press releases. But you could also see it if you went on to iTunes, is that every Wednesday Comixology would be the top grossing app in the uh, entire uh, iTunes uh, app store. And that is because a lot of people were buying their comics. And uh, Apple definitely took notices of this. And, you know, uh, I, I think this is the year that Apple, Google, Microsoft, uh, Barnes & Noble, I think all of the remaining big players, Amazon, definitely took notice of graphic novels digitally. And uh, they're in the hunt now. And I think that's kind of what spooked a lot of retailers as the year ended. Yeah, you can note that uh, Apple launched the uh, the comics category in the iBook store this year. Uh, Absolutely. At Frank at the Frankfurt Book Fair uh, this year, Comixology was a featured um, uh, presenter and talked to, uh, and David talked quite a bit. I mean, David Sternberg, uh, Sternberg the um, 
CEO, uh, talked a great deal about the the, the global impact um, uh, of consumers on on comicsology and how its audience for English language comics was really a um, a worldwide audience. Absolutely, and I mean the foreign sales for their digital comics are uh, one of the leaders of the of their sales category. So, um, I, I mean, I think. This was a great year for comics. I mean, I think you're going to hear that uh, as as uh, in every category we cover, just in terms of both quality and uh, in sales. Uh, sales seem to stay strong in a, in almost every category, and uh, I think the fact that you could digitally sample so many things uh, around the world it definitely created more awareness for for a lot of books that you know people people who wanted to read comics who weren't close to a comic shop uh, could finally find a way to read and, them. And, and everybody's only, got a tablet. And not only just the big titles that you know their friends told them about that they you know they downloaded because of that, but because of you know Kickstarter and a lot of the new imprints and and so on, getting a lot more buzz. Right. You know right. suddenly. People who live out, say, in the middle of Alaska are as up on, you know, what the big new thing is as someone who lives next door to Midtown Comics. Right. The launch of Digital First Imprints. Actually, while I was in South by Southwest uh, over the past year, um, um, you know, uh, Marvel launched Infinite Comics um, uh, and and so on and so forth. There's quite a few more. Digital First Imprints. Go on. Oh, no, I was going to say, we mentioned, uh, you know, briefly a lot of new imprints. Um, DC has their digital first. Uh, Marvel has their infinite comics. Um, but there was a lot of standalone uh, imprints or new imprints. Uh, Made Fire is probably the biggest. They made yes. quite a big splash. And uh, that was... Uh, led by some Bay Area startup folks who uh, had some some VC money, from what I've heard. But then they got uh, Liam Sharp on board and Dave Gibbons as their front man. And you know, if if you want to front a new venture, I'd say Dave Gibbons is about the most charming and articulate and talented person you could possibly get. So um, that was a great move for them. But uh, you know, they're doing a, a bunch of comics. Um, Monkey Brain was another one that uh, launched as kind of Comicsology's own. Uh, creator-owned imprint. Um, Are they actually connected to Comixology, or do they just happen to live there? Uh, well, I mean, they're exclusive to Comixology. Well, I mean, they're exclusive, so. but I meant, I don't think they're, I think they're, uh, they run themselves, and they're independent Right, uh, no, exactly. They're, operation. No, that's why I'm saying, yes, exactly. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I might have, uh, you know, been confusing there. I mean, they're owned by uh, Chris Roberson, or not owned, I mean, it's Monkey Brain, is an adventure of Chris Roberson and Allison Baker, but um, it is uh, housed on Comixology, right. so... Yeah. Anyway, moving yeah. on. Yeah, there was uh, also um, uh, releases about uh, uh, kind of an emphasis on uh, much like Mad uh, Madfire, um, uh, Operation Ajax, app oriented digital comics that really kind of reconceived how comics are supposed to be created. Uh, in addition to uh, a book like Bottom of the Knife, this sort of rather amazing combination. Of, of actual uh, two-dimensional comics and right. three-dimensional interactive comics uh, with full motion video. It's really kind of right. amazing. Right. I mean, there were so, so many different things. Anomaly was another book. That Anomaly, really oh, a perfect example. Or Augmented Reality was integrated right. into, the, uh, well, into a mammoth uh, painted graphic novel. And what's interesting is that Anomaly is do, selling very well digitally. It's among the top uh, comics of the uh, right now on uh, Comicsology. I will say when I was on vacation, I was in a Barnes and Noble and I saw it in the 50% off table. Uh, so okay, just, well, uh, you know, you never know. There you go. Well, you know, it's a very expensive book. The I, I think, digital, uh, you know, <laughs> equation. I yeah. think things really depend on their audience. And I think maybe some things won't hit the same in digital as they do in stores and vice versa. Right. That's very true. Very true. But I mean, you know, one thing we did not see 
in 2012 and have still not seen is the digital breakout. We have yet to see a title aside from free comics, you know, web comics that is offered on, as an app or through Comixology, uh, you know, for that you pay for that is a, a, a breakout. Um, you know, maybe that is an option. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but we, yeah. we're, you know, we're, we're getting there, but we haven't, we haven't gotten to the digital only hit yet. All right. All right. Uh, but well, didn't Pocket Gods go huge before it really hit paper? Uh, that is the yes. That is the one example that people do bring up. Um, you know, I mean, that is a well-known uh, franchise, so it's not quite original. But you know, that I mean, that's the closest we've had yet. Yeah. Uh, and there were other smaller launches like uh, Mark Wade's Throw Brent Bent also yes. tried to uh, uh, work on new business models slash. Right. Presentation. Right. Aces for, Weekly. For David Lloyd also launched one called Aces Weekly. So yeah. everybody was doing it in 2012. So, I mean, digital obviously is really spreading. Uh, I mean, really, I think what's characterized comics really over the last 15 years really is uh, kind of really breaking out into the larger world, the mainstreaming that we mentioned before. And yeah. digital is really another way that comics are able to do that. Well, as I've said many times, uh, this is the first time a new platform has emerged, uh, in this case, the tablet, that comics have been in on since yep. the, the get-go. And that's very important, uh, since the newspaper. So, um, you know, out, like I said, Apple noticed, Amazon noticed, Google noticed, and, um, uh, you know, much, yep. much, much, much more to come on that. Come. Yeah. Uh, so we move over to movies, media. Um, sure. Uh, comics can continue to sort of be a flag bearer of, of, for, for transmedia. Um, and certainly uh, some of the movies this year, and certainly the Avengers, are, are credited uh, to some, by some reta- retailers as bringing new readers into this. Well, right. well yes. If it, you've seen the uh, Avengers Blu-ray release, I mean, they're really trying to bring people into comics. They've got a, a coupon for free digital comic and, you know, all kinds of promo things trying to draw people into the comics world from the movie. Which right. Points to that. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I just. I mean, Avengers was definitely you know, sure. one of the movies of the year. I think it's the third or fourth biggest grossing movie of all times. It made you know over a billion dollars worldwide. I mean, it just didn't get any bigger than that. And that was the payoff of Marvel Studios. I mean, five year plan really. I mean, they've had an amazing, amazing rollout of of their characters and their movies. And the Avengers was an incredible payoff. Uh, you know, Joss Whedon triumphant for him as well. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. this is a guy whose Wonder Woman script was rejected at uh, Warner Brothers, and you know, really pretty much got the boot from Fox, and uh, you know, comes back and makes this this huge movie. So you know, he's smiling, and he he's and now he's got it. his own TV show too. Absolutely. Yes, yes a shield spin I mean, God, that is that's like... That's right. I, can't, I can only imagine how huge that's going to be. He'll have to oh, really I... fumble the ball for that not to be enormous. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if he does, well... Well, then, you know, uh, things get fumbled, but still. Yes, they do. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 you know, uh, Dark Knight Rises was also a huge movie. Uh, sure. Maybe not as much of a shocker there, but, um, uh, you know, Batman is the number one book at DC, and, uh, you know, certainly a lot of interest in that. Um, and also The Walking Dead, a uh, highest-rated cable Continues. TV show. Yes, so absolutely. comics really dominated uh, the yeah. tops of the charts. And, uh, we haven't even mentioned Spider-Man. I've been reading so many year-end reviews. Do you know, remember, there was a new Spider-Man movie <laughs> that came out this year? Uh, oh, that's true, it, yeah. Very uh, well funny. It kind of got lost in the... In yeah. the Though it was a fairly successful movie, wasn't it, as it, I recall? It, it did. It was very yeah. successful and, uh, you know, very well-received, well-reviewed. Everybody liked uh, the new the new guy, Andrew Garfield, yeah. as Spider-Man. Um, but, you know, it was such a big year for comics and the media that people don't even remember that. So. Yeah, yeah, another huge blockbuster. I think it's kind of interesting, like, if you just go by the toyometer, Like, when you go – when I, I noticed this throughout the Christmas season. When you go into a toy store or something, they had – 
so much Spider-Man stuff, it was like on clearance frequently. Whereas Bruh. Avengers was just selling out, selling out, selling out. All you could find was like Hulk and random scroll. That's it. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Avi Arad was the one who said it would be toyetic. So oh, you know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, I think really, um, uh, th- I mean, there's a whole bunch of other uh, superhero movies that came out this year, comic-based movies. Um, you know, uh, there were some, a couple of flops, a couple of, you know, huge successes. But, I mean, I think what this really did, the really effect, the reason why we're mentioning it here, is that for years people have been like, you know, comic books, they still publish those? And, and I mean, I think you could not have a, a better... Uh, you know, uh, battering ram through the consciousness of the public than the Avengers movie. Um, now, the success of the movie did not spill over to the success of the comics. We did not see a giant rise in sales of Avengers comics um, for whatever reason. Well, partly um, because you know, they Marvel had forty million of them, and good luck yes, somebody yes. who just saw the movie pick knowing which one to pick up. Right, right. Well, uh, there are some signs that Marvel might be trying to capitalize on that a little bit more. But, you know, it's never been really a priority for them to try. (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this. To capitalize on licensing after the movie comes out. But Disney may have other plans for that. Disney's, if there's anything Disney's good at, it's, (laughs) well... That's sure. And actually, I guess we should mention also that, that a, a big um, event of 2012 was Disney's uh, acquisition of Lucasfilm. Oh, yeah. How, how funny how we forget about that. But, but, yeah. Did you see um, they I mean, I was like Disney. I don't know, man. Um, they put a, I'm not kidding you, a platoon of stormtroopers into the Disney Christmas Day parade. And I was like, uh, you're being invaded by the Empire. Is that really festive? Yeah, triumph. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> it's a self-invasion. Um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously this is going to throw some attention, and I think it already has, hasn't it, Heidi, about, about the various licenses, particularly yeah, the, the Star Wars be, license that Dark yeah, Horse has published for yeah. years? So that's probably going to go to Marvel in the yeah. years to come. Um, I'm sure it's it's winding up uh, at Dark Horse right now. So, you know, that, that definitely will have some uh, some effect on them. But, uh, you know, it won't be uh, in, put into uh, operation for a couple of years, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, you know, that will definitely impact. Um, well, that might be as good a time um, uh, to segue to indie comics versus, you know, the big two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, this was very much a year for that. And it was a really, really good year for indie, particularly Image. Yes. Um, yeah. Image was definitely, there was a lot of disgruntlement. I mean, uh, people are calling the big two now corporate comics, uh, Marvel and DC. I mean, DC had their new 52, which is very much a corporate driven uh, initiative. Marvel had Marvel Now, which was not a reboot. It was a relaunch. Yes. So they could Let's still reboot. If they can still reboot if they need to, which is important. Yes. Uh, you know, they renumbered, we'll, started over a lot of books. And, we'll have to uh, talk a know, little bit about that, too. Yeah. Yes, but, well, I mean, you know, let's talk about it. I mean, uh, this was an idea where they took a, a whole bunch of books and renumbered them with number one. You know, most of their familiar characters, X-Men, Avengers, Spider-Man, uh, you know, the whole, crew, the whole crew. But instead of doing it one big fell swoop the way DC did, they are rolling it out over a series a month. I see. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I've gone through some of the Marvel Now issues. It's it's obviously very interesting to, uh, what DC has wrought, uh, even in the Marvel universe. Uh, I mean, the comics publishers have always kind of like, you know, you know, reboots, relaunches, restarts, whatever you want to call them, to refresh in, um, the, the various categories. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, DC's had so much success with this and continues to have so. Certainly in the book market, um, the new 52 book collections have, you know, been on the, they sort of automatically go on the Times bestseller list. Right. Um, uh, do we, do you, can any of you point out any 
particular Marvel Now title that, that grabbed your attention? We've kind of gone through uh, some of well, them. Well, what I was not expecting to grab my attention but did was, weirdly enough, um, Deadpool. Because I'm not really a Deadpool reader, but the storyline was so just fun and ridiculous and well-written while still not being so ridiculous that it went to crazy pants land and you couldn't follow it. It was, I mean, I, I actually want to read the next issue and I'm like, how, how did this happen with Deadpool? I don't understand. Well, Deadpool is the character who traditionally doesn't really fit into the, you know, character mold. I mean, it's the place where people can do a lot of wild and crazy stuff. Yeah, but I mean, but usually I don't like that wild and crazy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I've only read uh, a a few. I've read FF number one, which was by Matt Fraction and Mike Allred. I mean, what's not to like about that? Uh, You know, anything Mike Allred draws is automatically adorable. Yes, there's there's two FFs. Because one is what is Future Foundation, right? Yes. Future Foundation, yeah. uh, which I actually – that's the FF actually that I actually uh, liked as well, just for all the reasons you mentioned, Heidi. The the the, the more traditional – well, they're both really related titles, Fantastic Four. You know, it's funny. I mean this is just really applies only to me uh, because I know the continuity with the Fantastic Four. I mean the, as this family has grown uh, – um, uh, it's uh, the new reality of the Fantastic Four. I, since I don't read it all the time, I'm, I'm, I'm still adjusting my head to the notion of the Fan- Fantastic Four as a big family drama. Um, right. And I'm not so right. sure I like it that much. Um, okay. So yeah. So Marvel watched that uh, with their, you know, corporate comics um, with Marvel now. Might- but I mean, really, the big story of the year, I think, was the was uh, a lot of people were a lot of creators who have been around for a long time and have had a lot of uh, critical success really said you know we're done with that we're being done with oh being having a retreat and here's the new event that you're going to be working on for the next year and wanted to do their own things and uh, you know some left under um you know more salutary uh circumstances than others but um you know ed brubaker really left marvel and is doing a whole bunch of books at image um you know chris roberson uh left uh, with a little bit of a uh, stink from dc oh yes that's right yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, I, I think um, I missed out on that one. How'd that work? Uh, Chris Roberts? Yeah. Well, I mean, he said, that's it. I don't want to work for DC anymore. Yes. I guess it wasn't just related to the format Watchmen. Yes, uh, yes, distaste uh, in his mind uh, with uh, DC doing before Watchmen at all. Right. Well, why don't we talk about before Watchmen and, and how it sort of uh, stirred up feelings? Well, certainly uh, one of the more contentious uh, issues around the business, uh, certainly earlier on in the year, um, but you know, obviously, uh, DC was able to roll out a kind of a stellar group of creators, and there's always going to be interest around this amazing uh, franchise. Although certainly the creator Alan Moore prefers not to think of it as a franchise. Yeah, well, I think what was really noteworthy about this is that uh, you know, many the 25 plus years since Watchmen came out, a lot of people have said. Um, oh, what's, let's do a sequel. Of course, Marla Moore does not want to have anything to do uh, with any company anymore except Top Shelf, and uh, or actually maybe a few others. Let's just say he doesn't want anything to do with Marvel and DC for sure. Yeah. And uh, Paul Levitz, who was the former publisher, had always said, no, we're not going to do that. And then Paul left as publisher, and there were new co-publishers, and they said, yes, we are going to do that. So, I mean, this is definitely something that had been uh, you know, purposely uh, kiboshed or scotched or, you know, suppressed yes. uh, in the years. And uh, that it was now said, you know, let's do it. And I, I think the argument really became like, are they doing this? Because a bunch of great creators like Brian Azzarello and Amanda Connor and uh, J. Michael Straczynski, uh, J.D. Jones, uh, you know, the, the um, 
Cuberts, uh, like they will do a wonderful job on these characters that Al Moore and Dave Gibbons created. Or was this a way to really sell a lot of comic books? So, you know, I think where you came down on that side of the divide was, uh, you know, uh, really where you felt about creators' rights in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously something that legally they could do, but the question was, should they? Right. And, um, you know, I read a few of the books and uh, I, you know, I mean, they were okay. But as I said before, I'd much rather see Darwin Cook doing a brand new comic or Brian Azzarello doing a brand new comic. Uh, You know, I I think the inability of corporate comics to really launch new franchises and new series, uh, I think that's something that they should address. And doing it before Watchmen doesn't really help. You know, absolutely. And and it does seem that they're walking carefully. I mean, obviously, they're going to be book collections, and I think they're they're going to be significant book collections in in, in, uh, 2013 of the Before Watchmen series. It seems as though they're backing off that this is it, at least for now. Right, right. And, you know, I'm sure those books will sell very well, and they'll be shelved. And, you know, when people read Watchmen for the first time, uh, which they do all constantly, and then they'll say, that was great. You know, I want to read more. Just like after you read, uh, you know, Infinite Jest, you say, oh, I want to read more of this story, right? You know, or the world according to Garp. You know, then there's the universe according to Garp and the the continent according to Garp. You know, so it's, it's, uh, you know, people get their their fill of these uh, (laughs) stories. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, um, DC sales and marketing executives of uh, John Cunningham and and, um, and Bob Wayne actually emphasized uh, in, in in several discussions was that you know before Watchmen is also really driving yet more backlist sales of really the original masterpiece itself. Right. Not that you know Watchmen ever falls out of the top the 50 of um, the on book, the book scan graphic novel list. It's a perennial backlist best, bestseller, but um, they they it, it was a, almost a form of um, of uh, promotional material. For the classic graphic novel as well. Well, I'm sure Alan Moore really appreciates it. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. You know, he's Pumps like, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, Dave Gibbons kind of gave his blessing to this, but it was yes, the most did. like tepid and half-hearted <laughs> blessing. Yes, and, it's uh, like, I, you know, so, I want to bless it, but you know, I don't want to really get on Alan's bad side either. So yeah. Yeah. Well, they already had a big falling well, out. Yes, so, I guess they have. Know, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, very few people have had a falling in with Alan Moore of late, but yes. you know, this was definitely one of the big polarizing issues of the year. And, and as Kate, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, some creators such as Chris Robeson were really fed up with the fact that Mara DC was doing this. And they said they didn't want to work for DC anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, Chris, like Chris set out on his own. I mean, he's a very smart guy who already ran his own publishing company, um, you know, 10 years ago. So he's not a newcomer to this world. And, uh, the, you know, he and his wife, Allison, launched uh, Monkey Brain. And he's writing a lot of projects and working. And, um, you know, the point that I think we're getting at is that there were a lot of opportunities out side of Marvel and DC for creators this year and they seemed very viable and we're paying uh, you know enough money to pay the mortgage which is always a big concern yes absolutely I mean it does seem even in crazy economic times and as uh, the publishing paradigm both in the uh, con- conventional book world and in the, tr- uh, the the traditional comics world are, are is are, are, are changing and morphing and presenting new opportunities um, while it's a scary time I think for some people also it seems to be that there is incredible opportunities for artists that artists have more options for what to do and if they're fed up on on some level they can find an alternative work right. to get 
to reach to reach the readers. And I mean, you don't even need to be fed up. I mean, another uh, really notable launch this year was Saga from Image, which was the return sure. of Ryan K. Vaughan. And, uh, and it's a book, a science fiction epic that he kind of described as Star Wars meets Game of Thrones uh, with art by Fiona Staples. And it's been a huge hit uh, since it came out, like Image's top selling book after The Walking Dead. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I joked at some point, like, oh, all you needed to, to save comics is to get, you know, 20 books written by Brian K. Vaughn. But, um, <laughs> you know, Eric Stevenson pointed out when I said that, that Image has really been trying to bring along uh, a lot of writers, um, you know, to give them a place to, to learn how to get out there into the marketplace. And, you know, Brian... Uh, himself who works in tv um, you know certainly mm-hmm. is as not <laughs> you know has a good payday from uh, working on lost and other uh, tv things uh, said that <laughs> subsidizes uh, comics writing yeah subsidizes <laughs> comics writing but he was like he said he was amazed at how much money he and fiona were making and you know from a creator-owned comic and uh, a lot of people see that uh, and um you know, that the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, if you can get another Walking Dead or a saga, you are going to make a very good living. You're going to make more than you ever would at Marvel or DC. I would love it that the comics could uh, support him uh, and support his TV writing instead of, <laughs> <laughs> instead yeah. of the we, other way around. Yeah. You know, let's, right. uh, I mean, definitely a better year for Image. Um, I mean, let's, yes. uh, companies, I mean, what else was going on out there? Things that were notable. Um, I think Boom, uh, what was really interesting at Boom this year was they had so many hits with their uh, their kids' line. Uh, they were doing an Adventure Time comic that consistently sold out. Oh, one of their best-selling comics. You know, IDW had a huge hit with a My Little Pony comic. It was enormous. I mean, obviously, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. It was a huge hit to begin with. But the comic. And um, the, they really, to be fair to IDW, they really put a lot of work in that. I mean, it was a very dense, heavily written, heavily illustrated, like, gag-a-minute plotty comic. I mean, they really put a lot of work yeah. in there. Yeah, and they did a lot of multi- uh, variant covers also, which were a big thing this you year. You can get a box but set still- of all the variant covers. I don't even know yeah. why you'd want that. But you can get and it if yeah, you want it. Well, you know, don't ask a brony. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, you know I, I, certainly, um, uh, several of the biggest books of the year, obviously, as, as they always are, were uh, indie comics um, publications from uh, Fantagraphics with the Hypo to the, the book we mentioned earlier, The Anomaly. Uh, NBN uh, had a big year, uh, both uh, with uh, publishing, uh, republishing somebody like Stan Mack, as well as an extensive line of its uh, licensed titles that right. in kids comics that do extremely well yeah i mean um you know drawn quarterly had another great year mm-hmm. um absolutely you know abrams did fantastic yes. with the wimpy kid i mean no surprise there i mean they just had a book come out in uh, november that's already sold one million copies yes. Yes. um so uh there was i mean just widespread and you know another thing that was really great was there were so many new little micro publishers la- launching um or having a really good mm-hmm. year um like uncivilized books was uh, really oh, great. Yes. I mean, they did and Gabrielle great Bell. Books from to yeah. point them out in particular as a really a small press, really um, great books. And not to mention, actually, the book by the publisher there, uh, Tom Kaczynski's, uh, what, Beta mm-hmm. Testing the Apocalypse? Yeah. Really great an impressive book. work, in, in my, an impressive yeah. uh, a collection of fiction. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they have, uh, they are distributed by consortium. They have, an, uh, you know, a great business, um, you know, foundation there to get their books out. And uh, there was a lot of other little books. Rena Ayuyang had her own uh, imprint, Yam Books. Um, uh, Bill Cardalopoulos, best known yeah, as yes, educator. Yes, launched his own. He yes, launched, launched his, his own imprint. Line. So, um, and, you know, there was just a lot. There was just so much happening everywhere. Um, you know, there was also 
also a couple companies that had some problems on the business side. Uh, one that got some play was uh, Arkea. Uh, they, speaking of distributors, they had gone with uh, PPG, I believe, uh, last year, mm-hmm. and uh, were not prepared. For, yeah, I think IPG. Know, I think yes. IPG, yes, and mm-hmm. were not prepared for the number of returns they had. So even though they had a big hit at the end of the year with a Tale of Sand, the the Jim Henson adaptation, they had a little quiet the beginning of the year, but then they went back to Diamond and uh, everything. Uh, seemed to write itself and I mean the quality of the books never varied uh, I mean at the end of the year they put out Cursed Pirate Girl which we were you know um, fighting over literally Calvin and I had a fist fight That's over perilously <laughs> amazing book and, and really Kate was, Kate gorgeous was book. knock each other out so she could, so she could it, take but, it yes yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway they, they, they bounced back at the end of the year with a really strong line but uh, you know I mean it, it, I think we're talking about so many great things that happen but uh, you know there's always danger as well and uh, book returns are one of them that's yeah, the always. nice thing about digital. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's one thing pros and uh, comics publishers can agree on. Uh, no returns from digital. Yes. Yes. Um, great. Um, well, there was one area that probably was uh, kind of maybe idling, uh, idling in the garage a little bit this year, and that was uh, manga, the manga market. Yeah, and it, it, this is, I mean, manga can continues to be uh, at least from what we can see as a kind of a trouble category well one of the things we're going to be doing in the new year is looking taking a close look at the uh, at the category and sort of doing the state of the manga industry you know sales seem to be down on the other hand you know if you talk to different people for instance like kurt hassler you'll hear at at, um, at yen press uh you'll hear a litany of titles that he's had great success with um and um, we're going to talk about this a little bit as well. They, uh, their, uh, the, the digital side of manga is actually kicking in in some ways, and the whole move towards simultaneous Japanese and English language. Uh, right. Pump, yeah, I, I think uh, when they, they really got a big lift off this year as well. get the simultaneous ironed out, I think that'll be a big help to them. Well, they're going to um, uh, – this is um, uh, Shonen Jump Alpha – will be beginning a simultaneous Japanese and, and English in, on January 21st. Right, and then, year. you know, I mean, obviously that's a great and example. And they tried a, uh, a, um, a nifty little worldwide print uh, simultaneous distribution for the, uh, what, the volume 13 of uh, Evangelion, Neangelis' Evangelion. So uh, I, we're going to see actually more of these. Yen Press has been doing it with um, a single title, I think Soul Eater Not. They plan to do much more of this uh, in the coming year. Um, it's uh, something that the fans want. And then I think as well, it's something that savvy in terms of maybe heading off some of the digital piracy that seems to be uh, afflicting the manga market. Right. And I, I mean, I think what's really important about this is that that uh, some of this malaise is actually being felt in Japan as well. I mean, they've also had kind of stagnating sales there and, and kind of a feeling that there's a lack of a big new franchise. Um, so, I, and, you know, piracy is obviously being blamed for it. But, um, you know, I, I think that on the plus side, I, the, the kind of fusion style of uh, manga and European comics and American comics have really got a lot of play this year. So, I mean, the influence has definitely been felt. Um, you know, manga has made its mark in America. I mean, it's not going to go away entirely, but, you know, I think it has to kind of reinvent itself a little bit. Well, you know, that happens to everything every once in a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, and now time for the second half of our year-end show. 